Welcome to the Iceman, a podcast sponsored by Tuned Up Custom Rods. Welcome back, everybody. We're back in studio. We want to take a second to thank everybody who tuned in to the virtual ice show with SmackDown podcast and with the Lone Angler. Uh, that was an awesome time. It was so nice to get a chance to sit and talk fishing and get a chance to react to people in person. Um, maybe one day, producer Tom, we can figure out how to do a live broadcast and have people, you know, send in messages or call people in. Absolutely, we can do that. I think that'd be a, that was a lot of fun to be able to respond to people on 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 real time. Yeah. So we are a couple days late in our podcast schedule. We usually release on Tuesdays, but unfortunately, we ran into a little bit of a, a little bit of an issue when we came in to record last time. I, th- I think it had something to do with you. Oh, I might have had a little bit of a plumbing disaster as I was coming in to set up the recording. So uh, I had to rush home and meet a plumber, and I had uh, sewage and toilet paper erupting out of my shower in my basement. So, and that's, for those of you who aren't familiar, that is not where you wanted to come out. No, it was definitely coming out the wrong hole, that's for sure. <laughs> it's not supposed to come out at all. Yeah, and it, was, yeah. it was coming out in volume. So our regular Tuesday schedule got delayed a little bit. Uh, now, in studio tonight, we've got a couple of guests, and we are super excited about uh, about who we've got here. So first of all, in the chair next to me on my right side, I've got Chris Herrer. Chris is our lead rapper, or do we call you rapping manager? What is your title here? Uh, lead rapper type, um, lead rod builder. Sure. Keep going. Give yourself whatever title you want. There's no one here to stop Yeah, you. why not? You yeah. Know, <laughs> it, was, it was given to me, so yeah. I just... Uh, I'll just take it. So if you have ever bought a rod from Tuned Up Custom Rods, the odds that Chris has been part of the build is 90, 95% probably. I would say that's about right, yeah. So if you ever come into the shop on uh, what nights you're here, Wednesdays and Monday nights? Monday nights and Wednesday nights, yeah. You'll see Chris in the back wrapping rods. And, uh, you know, that's how I got started. When I first started the company yes. about four years ago, it was Chris and his exacting specifications <laughs> that were getting those that was helping me wrap the rods i know i told the story at the beginning of the at the beginning of yep, our podcast yep. uh, our first episode but that i, might, first have, I night, might have been a little hard on you but no you, know. you were no you weren't you were right you were spo- what you were supposed to be but i remember i only got one rod done that night and you were, you were like you were excited about it i was so pumped <laughs> that's the thing yeah i even had a catchphrase yeah you remember it oh gosh what was that I'll know when I hear it. That's a wrap. That's right. I didn't get to say it That's very right. much. We were going to make a big old banner about yeah, oh, that yeah, too. I was we never be got my, around to it. That's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris is, uh, he's, he comes um, in what industry you're from. I'm stumbling over this, but your regular job is requires some incredibly small tolerances. Yes. My uh, regular job, I'm a CNC machinist setup guy. Uh, we run tight tolerances. We build, kind of tough to explain but we build dyes and molds for uh kitchenware mm-hmm. i work at nordicware um we, re- we run very tight tolerances just for an example on some tolerances that we run you take a piece of hair and you cut that into three and you take that one of the three cut that into ten those are some of the sometimes the tight numbers that we have to run on on these on the products that we run yeah and i've got a couple of the pans from yes Nordic you do Wear. yes you do and my kids really like them good they had a lot of fun using those so chris welcome we're super excited to have Thanks. you here Thanks you've been me. uh i mean you've been with tuned up since almost since the garage days almost I mean, you were at the old shop i was at the old shop yep. for a while i was there for oh gosh what was it two years 
two years there. Yeah, you've been here for six years now. Yeah, that's crazy. So I've seen a lot. A lot has changed. Yes, what's happened and growing. It's at first I was like, oh well, you know, it's kind of neat, and I was in walls. Oh boy, it's getting really. It's getting. It's legit. It's getting serious. We got a podcast now. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know you've made it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, maybe that's how you know that (laughs) you found some microphones. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> and then now our other guest tonight, our, spe- our special guest joining us in studio is Brian Schneezy. Brian, welcome. Thank you. So um, full disclosure, Brian and I are close friends from high school. Um, haven't seen you, each other. Your yet. words, not mine. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> How close. Exactly. <laughs> I cut deep, man. But all Sorry. right. We were acquaintances. <clears throat> there was a time that we knew each other. <laughs> But uh, so Brian is, uh, like I said, we've been friends since high school and uh, it's um, been, you know, interesting over the years just to, um, you know, stay connected and see, you know, how each other has progressed. And um, I'm super excited to have you here tonight because, you know, from my perspective, you're one of the more fascinating people I know. You have had just a really unique um, life trajectory. And uh, right now it's taking you to your latest venture. So a strange uh, place. It's taking you to a place that I think is really cool. It's unique. Some might say bizarre. Tell us about it. Well, first, thanks for for inviting me in. It's sort of a a, not even sort of it's really an honor to share the the stage, um, the same stage as John Thielen and and. And Steve Swenson. Oh, yeah, the legend. <laughs> the man, the legend. Uh, Steve my, was another friend of ours in high school. That's, yeah. that, is, that is true. Um, no, uh, no, my latest uh, my latest project is called Wood and Hoof. Um, and, and, wood uh, and Hoof. That's right. Not Wood and Hoof. Wood and Hoof, yeah. That's right. If you say it fast, it kind of slurs together, but it's Wood and Hoof. And uh, this is... Um, this is a little project that my wife and I started uh, a couple of years ago. It was, it was really born in 2009, but, um, I'm going to try to do this justice on, on, on a radio show. Oh, you need to paint a picture. Right I, now. I, do, I do have to paint yes. a picture. So, so what I'm what Pro- we're, right now, producer Tom is, is handling the product. Yeah. And what he's handling is, um, it is sharp by the way. It's it called is. a hoof hatchet and uh, hoof uh, hatchet. That's right. So, so just a second. I, I just, I just want to help everyone in the audience to try to see what this might look like. So, it's a hoof, and it's a hatchet, and that's that's what it is. It's sort of, a, sort of reminds me from that scene from Wayne's World where it <laughs> it, it sucks and it cuts. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it is. It is a hatchet, and it and it looks like um, like you might think a hatchet does, but mm-hmm. but the one unique part about this is the handle is actually made from the hoof of a white-tailed deer harvested here in Minnesota. Yes, and that I mean, just when you hear that description right now. So if you're listening right now, please take a second and go look up hoof and. Um, no, woodandhoof.com. That's is that, is that, is that yep. the URL? Yep, it's woodandhoof.com. Yeah, go to woodandhoof.com while you're listening to this, just so you can see this glorious piece of art in front of you. It is, well, I remember you telling me about this a, a while ago. Yeah. This is not like a brand new idea, but. Well, yeah, so the, this was something that started, like I said, like this sort of originated in 2009, and I'll, I'll, I'll share a quick story. I was, I went hunting with my dad. Uh, which is a tradition in our family. Um, we've gone for several years, and and at that time, I was really interested in understanding how to process a deer myself. 
And I took a couple of days off of work and my dad, we, we got in his garage and my dad, we got the deer hung up and he was showing me, you know, here's all the cuts of meat. You can do this. You're like, and we skinned the deer and I got really into, you know, like how to take advantage, how to use and this, this, this whole animal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we, we took this, we took the deer hide over to, I think it was storm Wisconsin and turned them into chopper mitts. We got the, all the cuts of meat. We took our trim meat out to our favorite, our favorite butcher shop. And I'm sitting with these hooves and I, I had spent some time in Germany actually. Yes. Uh, some, some time in Europe. Well, I want to talk about Germany a little later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what stays, what, wait, wait, what happens in Europe? No. I don't know. Well, oh no, this is getting published. Yeah. The no idea, the idea came from, uh, I was traveling around Europe and visiting all these medieval castles and you'd go in and they would show you all these artifacts. Oh, we found this, we dug this up. Um, and, and one of those things was, was actually this thing, knives that were, uh, produced in like medieval times, provincial Germany and Europe, uh, uh, with handles made from, from deer hooves. Hmm. Uh, so that's, it stuck in my mind and I, I was sitting there in my dad's garage and I was like, well, I know you can, you can make like hat racks out of these things. Uh, Hmm. at the time I, I wasn't married and was trying to, you know, like, attract women. <laughs> I thought the, the old, the old hat rack, uh, that, might, might not fly. That might not be the best first impression. Yeah. I was looking for something a little Can more. Can I take your hat, ma'am? Yeah. I, well, and I was looking for a little, maybe a little something more tough, uh, yeah. you know, manly. And, and so I, I thought of, I thought of that idea and uh, I tried it out. I've, I've, since then I've, uh, evolved my methods and, uh, come up with some other cool ideas and, and people have, have uh, commissioned and given me lots of good ideas and, and it's kind of taken on a life of its own. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's my, uh, certainly a hobby. And so I got to tell you a story here. Um, second grade, uh, I remember processing some deer that my dad had brought home. Obviously I was too young to hunt then, but <clears throat> we had deer hanging in our garage and, um, he taught, he taught us how to skin it out. You know, you obviously cut off, cut off the legs first and then skin the whole deer out. And I don't think he did the whole processing himself, but I remember writing an essay in second grade called skinning a deer is cool, but gross. <laughs> <laughs> that was the title. And I brought in deer. That's accurate. I brought in, uh, I brought in all the legs for show and tell and you could, you know, you bend the, you bend the thing and the tendons sticking out at the other end and stuff yes. like that. And I was passing around like these amputated <laughs> deer legs in second grade. That was about the the height of my deer processing. After that, I had a horrible experience one year where I got home and um, we had like four deer hanging in the garage and my dad and my mom both got like uber sick right after deer hunting season. So they're like, Tommy, you have to go out there and take care of these deer yourself. What? And oh, yeah, I yeah. I remember this. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. They were like, like bad flu or something like that. And they were like so sick, they couldn't even get out of bed. And there was four deer hanging in the garage and I'm like... 13, 14, and they're like, you got to take care of these deer. Perfect time to learn. Dude. I have no dude, memory of that. My, yeah, because you weren't out there helping me. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the deer, it was, it was a mess. It was like <clears throat> fur and the worst cuts of meat in every single bag of, of venison that I cut up. I don't think we even ate it. I, don't, I think it went in the freezer for like three years, and then we just threw it all away because it was disgusting. It was awful. And ever <laughs> since then... The deer goes to the butcher shop, and I have nothing to do with that it. That must be why I don't care for venison. 
Well, that, I wonder if that's the year. You well, ate some of the bags that no, he we made. No, we didn't. We didn't. Probably. There was so much hair in that venison. It was. <laughs> oh. it, it was awful. It was the worst thing ever, and it was it was so cold. I just remember my hands just being bloody and numb from being so cold out in the in, out there, and I was just like, I just got to get this done. And you know, like you're supposed to cut with the grain, not against the grain. Well, that all went out the window, and it was just I like have zero. Yeah. Zero memory of this happening. Yeah, because I was all by myself. Because you were the man of the house that weekend. Yeah, I was the man of the house, and it was a bad week to be the man of the house. I'll tell yeah, you what. It sounds awful. I wish I could just tell my kids, I'm, I'm really sick this week. I need you to process these hit, these hooves for me. Could, well, it was could like, you go ahead and just you know run the house for a couple of days? Well, it was like it was like take care of these deer, or else we have to bring them to the dump and throw them away because they're going to be rotten. Yes. And I was like, all right, well, I guess so. You know, like I don't want to waste it, but. Basically, that's what wound up happening anyway. So, so sorry, I remember, sorry, dear. I remember the hooves. I remember that when we would process in the in the garage, and and when you told me about this project, like in my mind, all I could think about was the was the flex, you know, because that that joint moved still. But this is obviously quite a rigid device you've got. Yeah, it's fixed, and and I'll share how how I do it. Um, it's not proprietary yet, um, <laughs> and. and um, you're waiting I'm sure for the uh, the medieval put German patent, on patent to expire. I, I, I don't know if you can if you can pat, if you can patent methods of taxidermy, but uh, well, you are licensed. I hear. I, I am licensed. Uh, uh, if I could, if I could uh, clarify that, I'm loosely licensed. No, uh, no, no, you're official. I am licensed. Uh, although I'll, I'll say this without without throwing any of our uh, awesome state agencies under the uh, bus, I, I, the thresholds for for getting your taxidermy license aren't extremely rigorous. Is it easier <laughs> to become a taxidermist than it is to become um, a licensed, um, what's the minister, the person who can conduct weddings? I think it's easier. Is it easier? Well, I a call, lot of people become I, I called and I said, um, you know, should I, should I take a test? Uh, no, you don't have to do that. Should I, uh, do I need to demonstrate methods of um, preservation? No. What, what do I need to do? Oh, you have, it's thirty three dollars for a thirty <laughs> sign right for, here for a three year license. <laughs> That's a great deal eleven eleven dollars a year. So that that being said, I, I did do some research and experimentation is also a, a wonderful teacher. Um, the, is that is that a requirement in order to sell animal products to be a licensed tax, taxidermist or yes? Okay. Yep, it is regulated in in the state of Minnesota. Well, at least there's regulations. <laughs> You don't want to keep those people without thirty-three dollars to sell it animal products. Well, and 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 taxidermists will probably disagree with what I'm with what I'm doing here. But also, the the, the hoof of a deer is not a, a part of the animal that's normally uh, taxidermied, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, and so so in terms of methods, uh, I guess it, it feels like a, a little bit of a of of I, I'm not so sure. But I will share. This is this is how I do it. And this is how I've experienced. Because it's very it, it's rigid. It's not. There's no flex or yeah. give into it at all. Right. So so you do, you do. This sounds so funny, but you do have to get a fresh hoof. If if the if the decomposition uh, process is started, uh, it'll just it won't end very well. But sure. you got to get the moisture out, and so uh, it starts by getting you know hollowing out the the inside of the bone and the marrow. And uh, what I do is uh, they sit in a isopropyl alcohol how do you, bath. How do you hollow the marrow out? They're with a drill. And um, I usually send my family away. I was going to say, <laughs> that's got to smell real good. Um, so bone marrow is very, is very greasy, too, mm -hmm. if, if you've gotten close to it. Um, so it, it, that's the messiest part of this process. Uh, so the first phase is really getting, scrubbing up the hooves, cleaning them up, uh, hollowing out the marrow. And then uh, they sit in an isopropyl bath. 
for a while and that kills the bugs and that gets everything cleaned up. Then I move them into a vinegar bath, which essentially pickles them just like a cucumber. So adding some preservation to it. And then they sit on a rack and they dry for as long as I can. Now, um, none of the hair on the on that bone, you, I mean, you, you touched this earlier. It felt today. just like hair. Yeah, yeah, none of it slips and there's no, no wet dog smell. No. Uh, and so it works. Now, the hatchet's got uh, about a, a f- eight-inch zinc-plated rod in the middle of it. From Like a, the tang? Yeah. yeah. It's embedded in the head of the hatchet and goes into the handle. And, I, and when I was first making these, I thought, well, this is certainly a novelty item, but I also don't want it to break. And so I, I took the first couple out in my backyard and uh, to the wood pile and just... Just went for it. Yeah. And I couldn't break it. There you go. So, so I see you have like six inches of paracord just from like the head of the hatchet down. Is that all hoof below the paracord? That's right. And there's actually leg underneath the paracord. There is so leg. It's yeah. leg so it's leg all the way around. to the head. It's all, all the way to the head right here. Yep. And we use two-part epoxy to set this thing. It's about 2,500 or 3,000 pound. Uh, and I think that does the trick. Is it um, the five-minute epoxy or is it the 24-hour epoxy? <laughs> what is Because we have five-minute and it smells like- We have five minutes. It smells minutes, like a hair, like like old school yeah. hair salon. Yeah, it stinks really it's bad. It's awful. Is My, that, yeah, mine has a smell to it. Yeah. <laughs> it smells like you're giving perms. That's what it's, it smells like, a, like a hairstylist. Well, the other thing, I mean, when you, when you, if you've ever sanded bone or cut bone, oh, yes. there's a smell to yep. that too. So my garage is a place where my, my wife usually just stays away from my, my kids are always wondering, what am I doing? What are you doing out there? And dad, <laughs> that is the one nastiest smell is actually taking a hacksaw and just lopping the legs or if you're cutting the, the rack off and it's just, I had never. I never knew that either. Oh, it's, it's, I can't describe it. It's probably one of the worst smells yeah. you'll have. Hmm. I mean, I can gut a deer, no problem. And, you know, it doesn't bother me, but when I'm cutting it with the hacksaw, it's just like, uh, oh yeah. Dan, okay. why don't you tell us about you gutting a deer? I don't like it. I've done it. I did. I did it this year. <laughs> I was going to miss opening weekend of hunting. He's like, you can, you gotta come up. You gotta come up. If I get a deer, I, I can't gut it out myself. And I had to miss, what did I, I missed one day this week. No, you were gone. I was gone for a couple of days for, I had to come back for work and Danny shot a deer and I feel like dad had to give you a full on tutorial of gutting that deer. Is that correct? Well, so here's, <laughs> here's, here's how I stack up with hunting. <laughs> I enjoy hunting a lot. I don't enjoy eating venison, just similar to the same with, with fish. I don't enjoy eating fish. I just don't think you've and had it prepared correctly. So I probably haven't. So it's, perplexing to me because it's I one of the most today. enjoyable it parts of it. It's probably because of the the butching job that we did when we were younger. I mean, I remember vividly having those deer hanging in our garage in, in Brooklyn park and the steaks that would come out of them. And, 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 and we were not picky. I mean, we were shooting, you know, we basically had to color the spots Brown after we shot them. No, I wouldn't say that, but they were not big deer. They were not ginormous, but they, we never shy anything with spots on it. Come I know. On. Cause they can't have spots that late. They're already gone by but then. Still. But I just don't, I, I'll anytime tell you, I'll tell I you eat, what, Anytime well, I eat venison, all I can think about is the smell of the field dressing. Like when we were kids, we used to eat like venison hockey pucks that were on the grill, dried out, no good. I mean, <clears throat> venison has to be prepared correct, correctly. And the older I've gotten and like when I've had people actually cook venison for me, that was like, damn, that is really, really good. Well, I'm, the sure, other thing, I'm sure. And, I, and walleye tastes good too, but I just don't have any interest in eating it or I don't know. I, I probably should, but I don't. You guys switch we, from... McDoubles to venison, trust me. 
<laughs> it'll, it'll do you good. But you can do ground what venison. You, you can do ground venison too. Even if you if you don't like yeah. the, you know the taste I of, like a, venison, of a steak venison or sticks. Venison sticks are great. But that's mixed with that's mixed with pork and whatnot too. Yeah, with good meat. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> venison is the good. That's the good stuff. No, and it's it's lean. I like I said, I am not. I'm not opposed to it. It's not like I don't want to eat it. Well, no, that's not the right way to say it. It's just not something that I seek out. But yes, I did feel dressed that deer on my own. And if I remember correctly, you were at the cabin sound asleep. Oh, is that what it was? Yes. Okay. I went into, I shot the deer at like oh, eight o'clock. I, I, I rolled morning. in, I rolled in at like three in the morning the night before. With me. We were in the car together. Are you sure about that? Same. That was the same. That was opening weekend. Yeah. Oh, we were together. Wasn't Where, do you, together? Where do you go? In fact, go? you slept half the time on the way up there. Where do you go hunting? Our cabin's way northwest, northwest Minnesota, up by Halleck, Lancaster. Kitson County, the furthest county northwest Minnesota. So it's like 20 miles from North Dakota and about 15 miles from Canada. Okay. It's way up there. But I shot that deer opening morning. I I was the only one in the family who got up opening morning. I went out and I hunted and I shot the deer at like 830 in the morning and I came back and... Oh yeah, that's because you pulled the truck over and you got in the back and slept and I drove the, the last half of the trip. Remember that. Don't forget about that, so... Well, I do remember you sleeping from uh, from uh, about also, Alexandria to Fargo. I also but. worked an overnight shift, and I was up for All right. 30 hours. Hardships aside, we, no one wants to listen to <laughs> Brother Squally here. Thank goodness you guys are a park here. Right, jeez. <laughs> but uh, uh, to go off of the the uh, the story, I went. I shot the deer, and I'm like, okay, well, now i got to deal with this. And so I went back to the cabin, and I tried to wake you up. I'm like, Tommy, I shot a deer. Would you come out and help me? You're like, eh. And I went to my other brother, Mickey, I shot a deer. Would you come out and help me? He goes, go f*** yourself. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I guess this is me now. <laughs> Time to put on the big boy pants. I, it, it, I got it cleaned out. But you, you did. You, you feel dressed. I did. I, I did see uh, a picture, if I remember correctly, and there was mm-hmm. blood all the way up to your elbows. Yeah, well, I had to get in there. Getting down, down into it. I mean, is there a better way? Is there a different way to do it? You shouldn't have, you shouldn't, well, from how I've been taught and whatnot, if you get anything past your wrist, you're digging too deep. Well, maybe, I don't know. That's just I how should, I was shown. Maybe I should go back to my old method, which was pay Tommy 20 bucks to do it. <laughs> but he wouldn't get out of bed, so I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I didn't know there was 20 bucks involved. I'll get up for 20 bucks. <laughs> so let's get back to... To, to your business here, Brian. So wood and hoof, and you know, it started off as just kind of a, a an idea of what you could do with something that you already were interested in, but you you're turning in, into an an actual idea that you're selling now. Yeah. Uh, so it started out as a weird idea and and a hobby and something fun uh, that that I'd never seen and was excited to be working on and and kind of honing. And then uh, my friends were like, "Wow, that's that, I've never seen anything like that." And that's usually the reaction I get is. I, I've never seen anything like that. The other reaction I get is, uh, you know, I'm like, Hey, would you like to check that out? And they're like, no, it's right. I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> need, to, I don't need to touch that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, uh, it felt like I stumbled into a niche and, and kept going with it. It's been, you know, I, I like to create and I like to cultivate. And so it's been an outlet for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, m- more recently, the last couple of years, we formalized sort of the, the business setup and, uh, we found an outlet. Uh, we're currently in a, a shop in Stillwater uh, called Smith and Trade, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's and, and we're moving a few, uh, especially before the holidays here. Uh, but we, uh, yeah, my wife and I, we, we pour a lot into it and make sure that we always uh, sell the 
the hatchets and the knives with some sort of reclaimed wood setup, either a box, like a presentation box, mm-hmm. uh, using um, reclaimed hardware, things that we've uh, accumulated and and old wood, uh, or like a presentation stand. And um, it just has a good feel to it. It's like yeah. a really like old, but but new uh, kind of kind of good feel to it. And, and to us, it's always felt like it sort of honored uh, something about, you know, the outdoors and the whole, the whole hunting thing. Yeah. Yeah. And are you, have, have you gotten to the point where you've got a, um, e-commerce setup or you're, on, you're working well, on You're that? so close. Yeah. Uh, uh, to getting an e-commerce site set up so that, uh, so that folks can just go online and, and order and we'll ship, but, um, you know, shipping hazardous items and, and selling hazard, hazardous items comes with, uh, a number of extra steps in terms sure. of setting up a business, but um, yeah, we're, we're very close. And also it's not our full-time jobs. Uh, it's when we have time. And Yeah. That's so cool that you guys are able to do it together. And, you know, one of the big reasons that I wanted to have you on is because, um, you know, over the course of our friendship, you have had so many super interesting things that you've gone through. You know, we've been back way back into high school. Um, you were involved in the single funniest event of my life. <laughs> And it's there's nothing has ever been able to top that. This is the one story I was wondering: uh, is this going to come up? I'm not going into detail about it because Do I know the story. I'm sure you've heard it before. It, you can't tease that and not tell the story. It, it oh was goodness. the single funniest event I've ever been a part of. Is this is this arable? It better yeah, be. It was in public. I mean, it probably shouldn't have been in public. But <laughs> I almost feel like every time I see Brian, I talk about this. So it's like, well, it's nice to it's it's nice to remember that story and feel like, wow, I've come so far. You know, <laughs> I, such I, an I, I've come so far from where I was, and it just feels like progress. And oh my god! Uh, but you got to share what was yeah, was. Right. So we could, I suppose, try a version of this. That's. I mean, I can disguise your voice if you don't want the, you know, we can just give you like a blurred out voice for the, for the podcast. Just, just, just for this, just for this story, just for this at least. Part. Yeah. Started back yeah. in 1999. He's, he's sitting in a dark shadow right now. You yeah, cannot see, you his face. see his face. <laughs> so Brian and I were on the, um, the, uh, high school, um, track and track field team. team. Yeah. We're on the track and field team and, and we were throwers. So that was our. Our event was because we couldn't run. <laughs> That's that you know you're not lying. Those are accurate facts. So Although you, you were not, you were the field portion we of the, the field tra- portion of yes. the track and field. The field portion that didn't jump. The <laughs> social field. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we we shoot, threw shot put in discus, and we were at practice one day, and you know the throwing section of the track and field team is like the percussion section of a band, where it's like. Here, here's some notes. Go bang on those things, and and uh, you know, try not to miss your 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 entrance after the rest. We basically had free time for an hour and a half, and then we got a letter out of it. <laughs> and my we, my parents think I actually was really good at, at at track and field. You lettered three years in a row. Um, mo- most improved, and also, uh, uh, what was the other one? Oh, most spirit. You know most, what? They give that to the guy. They give the most spirit award and the most improved. To, to the guy who I think is the worst on the team. Sounds well, like a, you were better than you were when you started, though. You improved which the Which says nothing about where I was. <laughs> equal level with a participation medal type deal? or it's Yeah. The, it's the guy who like makes us laugh, who we love to have on board, and we, we got to give him something. 
that. <laughs> it, I, I'm not. Perfect. I'm not going to argue with that. Perfect. But it was so. So, anyways, so we were at practice, and we were in the discus circle. And discus is the event where you throw basically a heavy frisbee as far as you can. And there's a big cage that is set up around the discus circle. So in case you release the the disc too soon, it doesn't fly in the wrong direction. And uh, there was it was co-ed, so we had you know we had guys and girls on the team, and there was a girl in the ring. And when you start throwing a discus, you're facing backwards, you're facing the fence. And uh, so Brian decides that he's going to climb the fence. So you're you're up, and I, I, I the best way I can just remember is you know you're you're. Your my ass feet, was my, face level. My feet were at like shoulder height. Yeah, yep. You were right up there. You're up, and um, and we've got a girl on our team who we've known for years standing in the circle, basically looking at you. And coach. And the coach, who also was a, a female, yep. uh, a college age female, if yep. I remember, or just barely graduated from college. And uh, as you were standing there, hanging from the fence, one of the one of our teammates came behind and and pantsed you. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you were standing there, and the uh, the 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 you know the sport shorts come down, and you're standing there in your boxers. You know, ha ha ha! I'm six feet up, and I've got my boxers on, and everyone thinks it's so funny. Um, but the, but he comes back. He came back. He came back for round two. <laughs> yeah. And the boxers went down. And, yeah. And you've got two girls standing in, in the ring, looking right at. I won't you, ever remember. And here's the thing: when you're when you're on a fence halfway up. You require your hands in order to stay on the fence. Yes. There was so, no defense. You were completely defenseless. Yeah, so if, if you guys could all out there imagine what you would what you would try to do. What would be the reaction? You, so, you would try to grab your pants or your shorts and you'd try to pull them well, up. And you would also, I imagine, be very vulnerable to a sudden drop off the cyclone fence at that point too. So, so I, I was, I, I was, my position during this whole situation, <laughs> I was at the six o'clock. So <laughs> I was, I was exactly the opposite of the girls. And which, which is only slightly better of a situation <laughs> than, than the poor girls. The good news is that I could see their face and I can see their reaction to what happened. <laughs> and just, you know, from my perspective, I didn't know what you were, what you're trying to do, but I do know that what you did do was essentially fall straight backwards, full turtle. Yeah. I went to grab my ankles and, and therefore I let go of the fence and landed on my backside just with turtle. my feet and, and my hands in the air and my shorts at the end of my ankles. And I, I'm, there's never been anything that I've ever witnessed that was funnier than that. <laughs> I I also thought it was the funniest thing that I've ever seen. And in that moment, I felt the only thing I could do would, was to stand up without saying anything and just walk back to the locker room. And that's what he did. He got up, pulled his pants up, and just walked away. Didn't say a word. And so us, all the throwers are like, oh, man, something really bad just happened. You know, he's devastated. He's going to go home. He's going to file a complaint. We're all going to get in trouble. And not only that, we feel terrible because I'm sure it's super embarrassing. And so we go to try, me and a couple guys, go to try to talk you down, so to speak. And, and you're like, no, guys, it was so funny. It was so funny. I just had to leave. Like, I, if I stayed there, I just ruined it. And you got in your car and drove home and immediately got in a car accident on your way home. <laughs> I forgot about that. No, that's an important part that's of the story. A, I totally forgot. You're yeah, right. You definitely did. Yeah. 
That was not a good. And I think at the end of that day, I decided I'm gonna make deer hoof yeah, knives that, when that's, I grow up. That's I'm gonna, gonna be the one. I, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna do that. How do I come back from this deer hooves? Deer yeah. hooves. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure this out. <laughs> oh my gosh. That it was the funniest event I've ever been a part of, and. <laughs> I can't wait to talk more about it. Let's take a quick break and uh, we'll hear from our sponsor, Tuned Up Custom Rods. And then we'll be back to chat more with Brian about, uh, again, your fascinating, the, just the things that you've gone through in your life to build up to where you are now and you know what else you've got going on in your life. Hear more from Chris and uh, we'll be back shortly. Hey everybody, this is Dan from the Iceman. I'm here to talk to you about our sponsor, Tuned Up Custom Rods. If you're looking for the highest quality ice rod or open water rod on the market, check out www.tunedupcustomrods to satisfy all of your fishing needs. And use promo code ICEMEN at checkout to save 10% off your total purchase. That's ICEMEN, one word, at checkout for 10% off your purchase. All right, everybody, welcome back from that commercial break. Thank you guys for sticking around. Chris, yes. thanks for being here. Thanks for having super me. Super excited. I kind of just roped you into this tonight. It's all and good. I'm super pumped because, I mean, you were, here to, you were here to wrap rods, but that's okay. I'm glad that you're here to we'll chat with us tomorrow. and have a couple beers and just get a chance to chit-chat. It's exactly. been fun. And Brian, thank you again for being here. I'm still here, too. You're still here, even after that story, <laughs> even after that amazing story. Um, so like I said at the beginning, Brian and I have, go, we go way back and those are my words. We do go back. Yes, we do. And you will, you're, you're willing to admit that <laughs> you, you do go way back. I, you're not close, but you went way back. I will, uh, I will concede to that. You'll concede to that. Okay, thank, thank, thank you for your concession. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, Brian and I have gone, we've, we've got quite a, a past together from high school and then after high school and on and, and. Uh, I had mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I just think your path through, um, I don't know, adulthood or uh, your, the way that you've come up to where you are now is just, it's just interesting. It's just, a, it's, it's not traditional. It's not the type of path that most people would take. It's definitely not the path that I took. I mean, in the time period since, since your journey started, I've basically had the exact same job. So, you know, I'm, I'm a, a much more risk averse person, but I've always admired your willingness to really just kind of put yourself full into something and go for it. Um, you know, when we were just getting out of high school, um, wh when did you become fluent in German? I guess is the first part. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I, st I, before high school ended, I, we had the opportunity to host, uh, an exchange student. Mm. I think it was junior year for like a month and okay. then, and then we would get to go over there. So that was kind of an introduction to the abroad, the whole abroad thing. We mm -hmm. had, we hosted a German student, uh, my folks did. And, and that was, uh, so much fun. Yeah. Uh, male or female male. Okay. His name was Trond and, uh, it was, it was just the best. It was like, you know, one month. So not really, uh, he, did he come to school with us? He did. I don't yeah. remember. Trond. There, were, there were a couple of them. Um, there was a group that came over and okay. then we went over there and, um, and 
Also, I, I won't take us too far down this path, but the drinking age in Germany is different than in the United States. Uh, so there, there was that whole <clears throat> intriguing aspect of, of that. But yeah, that was an introduction to the Germ- German language piece of it and studying abroad after um, after high school and before college. Uh, I, sc- I scored a, an opportunity to go. Uh, it was a scholarship to stay with a, a German host family for a year. Was that the Fulbright? That wasn't yet okay. the Fulbright. No, I, I, I guess I went a couple times. Um, it was it was like an exchange trip, um, scholarship, and and in essence went to school for another year. So I put off college for a year, which was interesting too, because I came back from Germany fluent because you you live there for a year, right? You're fluent, but you were. I mean, you were very very versed in German before you went there. Well, I studied. What did what did you study? I took Spanish one twice. Spanish one twice. Twice. I, I took two spe- two trimesters of Spanish one, and that was it. Yeah, I took Spanish one uh, my senior <laughs> year with my sophomore brother and his friends. So I was not very good at foreign language. Maybe the better way to say it is I didn't care about foreign language. Well, he, I, I don't know that I was much different than you. And 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 although the the program was great and the educators were great, I you know you, there's only so far you can get in an in a U.S. classroom. I think my, the the biggest strides I made in language were. Once you got over there, but immersed. that's the difference. That and right. that's what that is the interesting aspect. Because when you have to go to the bathroom, you need to. You you need to, you, you better learn how to how to ask for that. But see me how how would you ask for that? Voice uh, toilet a bit. See, I that's how to say it nicely. That's the polite way to say it. So I, the difference though between between you and most people is that you most people are like okay i took a couple of classes in spanish and now i have a very rudimentary ability to read words and to say things and i'm good with that but you were like hey this is interesting i want to see what i can do with it and holy cow you put yourself out there and straight up moved to germany for a year well that was i mean it was an adventure yes a scary course, adventure that I would not have the guts to take. Well, uh, sure, thanks. Uh, and, and it was so much fun, and it was scary too. Cause, and you're thinking, you know, think back to your when you finished high school. There's so much pressure. Like, what am I doing after this? Am I going to work? Am I going to school? Where am I going to school? Yeah. Like, and and I remember feeling, oh man, my my friends are starting, and I'm not yet starting. Yeah. And, I, and that 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 year, I felt like, oh, did I just get behind. Were you just living in Germany or was there any school involved? Well, I was living with a host family in Germany and going to German school. So they actually have 13 grades in, in most areas. So I went, I basically attended another year. So you're you're like a senior in German high school? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, is that more advanced than a senior year in high school here? Cause hmm. we have 13 grades if you count kindergarten. Yeah. I, I, so do they graduate at 19 in Germany? Yeah. Okay. So, so they do have one extra year, okay. um, and the, and the system's a little different, right? You can you can choose to go down different paths sooner than we can. So, if you're into uh, like a trade school, you could actually get into a trade school path much earlier than we could. It's like I I just know I'm going to be a cabinet maker when I grow up. You could start doing that more towards like middle school, high school, and and get into courses that way. So it's, it is an interesting uh, education system, but that, that trip for me was just an adventure. And And I remember hearing about it when you came home and it was just the things that you got into and just, it just is something that I didn't, I would never have had the guts to do. I still am nervous about traveling and for you to do it at, at 19 was mind blowing. So then you come home and you enroll at, at school and you, you go to St. John's. Yeah. I went, I, I went to St. John's in the middle of the woods, uh, Collegeville, Minnesota. But, and then at St. John's, you, 
so the theme that I, that I see from you, and this is my my interpretation, of course. So it's maybe not how you feel about yourself, but the theme that I see from from you is that you find something, and you really invest in it, like you get into it. And I remember when you went up to St. John's, all of a sudden it was rugby. Oh yeah, like to a very significant level, <laughs> to the point where you quite literally wrote the book on it. <laughs> you have done your research. <laughs> I have the book. You literally wrote <laughs> a book what, about it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I he guess said I, you were close. I, I, I guess I needed Christmas presents. Just, maybe he uh, just follows you closely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard something outside my window the other night, Dan. Was that you? <clears throat> I get into things too. <laughs> um, you know, that was... You're right. I think I'm an interested, interested guy. I, yeah. I, I think I, I, I really get into it. And that was a that was a, 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 an awesome experience. A club rugby at, you know, at the college level was so much fun at that time. Would you say it was better than college football for you? Yeah. Let me let me let me share something kind of interesting there. I, I just wasn't that good of, of a football player, and you remember that. I remember. In, I mean, you always tried hard. Most improved, right? Yeah. I mean, my email address is a testament to the fact that I got cut from varsity three years in a row. So, I, well, St. John's had a amazing program, amazing coach. They didn't cut anybody. So, if you wanted to be on the team, you could. And, and St. John's had 150 guys on the football team, and they won all the time. And they won all the time. So, I was the second number 92. Was he the <laughs> one? Was he the one in your high school that? The coach said, "Yeah, we don't have. There's no, 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 no. This, no don't, don't, no. That's like that's college. That was so, college. Yeah, that was oh, yeah, college. So, yeah. I think that's where I'm going here. Yeah, so yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. I thought, I thought so, that was high school. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I just wasn't that. I just wasn't that good at it. And and I did like playing. And we, you know, we we played some great football in in high school. And I enjoyed that. And I went out for the the St. John's football team. And I was on. Like I said, I was like the second number. I I can't remember. I think it was 92, 96. I don't know. And uh, I would." I would characterize myself more as a padded fan. Uh, <laughs> a I did, fan I, with a helmet. I yeah. did make. I got all the equipment that the you know that the starters got. I, I did play scout defense, and my my claim to fame, according to my college friends, was this poor stats guy at St. John's. You know, there's 150 guys. There's duplicate numbers in the jerseys. There's no names. There's your names on the front of your helmet, like a you know in small print, and then mm -hmm. just numbers. So the poor guy is trying to record what's going on. Anyway, one game, I was credited with an on-field tackle in which I was not on field. <laughs> and my friends <laughs> affectionately dubbed it the Immaculate Tackle. <laughs> and so it was right about that time that I, I thought, man, you know, I, I do like this. But the, I fell in with the rugby guys and they said, hey, you can come out Saturday. And I was like, I don't know how to play rugby. And they're like, yeah, you can come out Saturday. And... um you know, just a really welcoming group of group of people, and anyway, that did lead to an obsession. I played rugby the rest of my career at St. John's. I played in a men's league after that with my brother. Ooh. I broke my leg. I was really into the whole rugby thing, and I needed an outlet, so I went back and. Uh, you was, got you got to tell the coach story though. Which one's the coach? Oh, get your hands up one. No, didn't. <laughs> I, Dan, I hope I, I didn't invent this story. I'm pretty sure you I, told me. I this love this story about how <laughs> when you decided to quit football because of was it okay? So wasn't there a story about? <laughs> We're gonna end up editing this out, aren't we? Well, it, I might have made this up. I could have made this up. The story that I remember was that you were at practice and the coach was 
talking about something. There was a pep talk going on. Yeah, right? there was some sort of like a rah-rah pep talk at, at practice. And, uh, and the, the co- monkey on the piano thing? No, no, no. no. Oh, hold the on. The coach said something to the effect of, oh, and Brian over there. And then he said, oh, wait a minute. We don't even have a Brian on this team. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> did this happen? I didn't yes. make that up, did I? No, you, you just reminded me. You're right. It was, oh my. <laughs> yes. And then you got to complete the story, though. Well, I want, if, if it's true, I want you to complete it, Brian, if you, if you remember. That he was, I mean, there was a lot of like, you know, in practice, there's a lot of stopping and talking. And um, I, I mean, I just want to say, you know, John. John Gallardi was uh, a legendary coach, mm-hmm. so I don't. I certainly don't mean any disrespect, but he was illustrating some point, and and he's and he had he had used the name Brian, and then he caught himself. He said, "We don't even, we don't even have a, I don't even know what to talk about. But we don't even have a Brian on the football team." And that I do remember <laughs> my buddies, my buddies on the D line, kind of nudging me, being like, "You hear that?" And and, and yeah, perhaps that also had something to do with. <laughs> But then the coach caught himself, or he, he figured it out. And I like how Danny. I, I mean, didn't he said? Didn't I, the way that I remember telling the story was someone said, "Uh, coach, uh, what about this, Brian?" And he looked at your helmet and couldn't pronounce your last name. Oh, and did he? Say, yeah, except for you, Schneewise or Schneesy, Schneesy. Like to see the equipment manager to turn this helmet in. I think. I, th- I think what I do is I suppress the bad memories. The way Danny tells that story is you basically just tore the tape off your helmet, left your pads in the locker, and you left right after that. <laughs> that's a little dramatic. That's a little dramatic, but, but it's, it's a great. But story. I think I, you know, I, I think it it was probably part of how I decided to, to transition. But. but it led you to uh, the obsession or the passion, I should say, for for rugby, which. You literally, when what you said, you were saying you broke your leg and you still needed an yeah, outlet. I loved it, and and these old boys were. I I, I mean, you know, you, you you talk to people and they were like, you'd go out for a beer and and they'd be like, ah, oh, and they got all these great stories. Oh, we went to the, you know, we went to the um, the Mardi Gras tournament and this happened and that happened and we burned the Winnebago down that year and <laughs> uh, and it was like the best. You know, you'd sit with these guys and so I thought this is too good. We've got. You know, we've got some club rugby. We got to capture some of this. And every guy had a, a shoebox full of photos from nineteen, you know, fifty five. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I said, okay, that's my project. And uh, we were, we were about to celebrate the forty year anniversary. So I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write the history. It was basically a, uh, a little scrapbook. But I mean, it's a legitimate book. It's published as self published. <laughs> <laughs> Can you find it on Amazon? You can. You, you can see it there. I don't know that you can buy what's it. What's the title? You might have to go to the St. John's bookstore to get this thing. What's, or, what's the or title? Or you can come to my garage. I'm, I'm going to look I, it up right now. I still have enough to build a structure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely have a copy yeah, of it. It was really, really big in Stearns County. Just yeah, a, It was just a barn. Number 21 Age bestseller. Yeah. <laughs> what's the title? Up the Long Ladder. I'm checking right now. Uh, a 40-year history of, of St. John's rugby. But it was, a, I mean, it was well-published. It was glossy and photos and font and everything. It was so much fun. I mean, I, I really, I loved it. And it was all about the stories. And, and again, uh, yeah, that was that was a ton of fun. I'm sorry you are not on Amazon right now. Oh, I'll find it. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to get it uploaded there. So going from from high school or from, co- from college on, then, uh, you know, 
life happens and people go to different colleges and, you know, you and I maintained contact to some extent. But then the next thing I remember hearing was that you had earned the Fulbright scholarship, which is like a ridiculous high honor. And I remember being like, how in the hell did that happen? Because I never like, I've seen this guy's pants around. the (laughs) (laughs) In all of the time that we spent together, it's like academics were never really like a huge part of that. What what is the Fulbright scholarship? Well, enlighten us. It's a, it's like the Rhodes scholarship, maybe similar. And I don't know how to debate, you know, uh, what's, well, you know, what's better, but it was, it's a, it's an awesome program and it was more like an ambassadorship. They send people all over the world doing, there's different projects. There's, you know, um, different research. I, I went over on an education uh, a scholarship. So I went over to teach English in a German school and it's so cool. In it was founded, I think after, um, you know, after some of the world wars to just really bridge bridge countries together. And um, is there a certain discipline, or is it uh, was yours like an education? Or yeah, so okay. mine was primarily focused on teaching, but there was also a research aspect to it, which we we um, we sort of joked because the ki- the guys in the we weren't the full research program like the really. I mean, there's some heady projects and out there and people way smarter than me. So we called ourselves the half brights actually. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we, we, we went over there. We had a really good time. We were good, good representatives of the United States. And, and, you know, we, i I mean, I landed in a small little, little town and fell in with those people. It was just a ton of, ton of fun. But that led to you coming back to the States and starting a school. Came back. I, so I had all this German language, had this experience. I was kind of really thinking in that direction. And, uh, yeah, the twin cities German immersion school was sort of getting off the ground. So I, I jumped on as an office manager with them in their very first year, helped to, to get that off the ground. Um, which again was just so cool. Uh, I was living with my folks. I think it was, I don't even know what I was getting. I don't even know if it was a full-time job. I think I was three quarter pay when I signed on. Well, it was brand new. Like you built it from the ground up. Well, to to be to be fair and accurate, I don't know that I built it, but I was one of the you first were a, on a founding father. Yeah. And the office manager at that time also, just for the record, did light custodial. Yeah, you were the principal and the janitor. Yeah, the Mr. Schneezy, Herr Schneeza, the toilet paper <laughs> in the kindergarten bathroom is out. Herr Schneeza. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that was, but uh, yeah, that was a ton of fun. And then I realized I, you know, I needed to move out of my parents' house at some point. And, uh, and get a, you know, is that school still going? Still going. Yeah. And they have a wait list. It's expanded. They've, they used to be on, uh, I think it was Eustis in St. Paul and they've, they've gone to a new location. It's pretty cool to see where they've gone. What's it called? It's a public charter school called Twin Cities German Immersion School. So it's, um, it's interesting. You don't, you know, you don't, you don't go to it like it's a private school. You don't pay. It's a public charter school. Um, and I thought, um, you know, I thought one of the most interesting things about that was, I'd see these kids come in and, and yeah, maybe, maybe one parent was a German speaker or had some German experience. Maybe the other wasn't, maybe, maybe there was just an interest, but like some kids would come in and have zero exposure to German. And that first like couple of weeks you're you know, I'm like seeing them in the lunchroom and they're like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're saying. An immersion school means all yeah, the language like everything's all in, the time is in German. Right. Everything's in German. And that's like a methodology. And so I, these, you know, I see these kids like start crying. Like, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're saying. And then two, three weeks later, they're like 
you know, like in German, they're like, hey, can you pass me the milk? And it's like, uh, in German, please. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, kannst du mir bitte die Milch geben? And uh, <laughs> I did. still got it. He still got it. Oh, man. I, That's awesome. I developed a, a, a pretty wicked, you know, German speaking English accent. I, I really refined it over several years over there. Well, you put it into practice. So then going from there, the, the leap that I think is the most fascinating. I, and I, you'll have to clarify for for me how this actually happened, but you decided that of of uh, with the skill set you had of being a fully fluent speaker of a of a different language, that the FBI of all places had a use for 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 language people, right? Yeah, I got a. Did you get recruited, or how did that happen? When I at that time, I thought you had to be like approached in a back alley. <laughs> Or, or like, you know, know some sort of secret password, but it turns out you can just apply online. Um, is it like the tax, right? the, it's the taxidermy thing all over again. <laughs> FBI.gov, oh, yeah. $33, you're in. Special agent? Yeah, we, yeah, we can get we'll you. We'll print you that badge. We'll, we'll get you that. <clears throat> uh, no, I'd, I'd worked at the Department of Commerce and I got this. Invest, oh, that's right. This investigative itch. You know, it was a state agency and some of the, what they were regulating was investigative and I it started... I got that kind of grabbed me at that time. And I was like, man, this is, I can't, I can't let this go. It spent several years, you know, tr applying and trying to get in. It's really uh, like there, there were um, hiring holds at yeah. times. And anyway, I, um, yeah, that, that became an interest of mine. And, and they're always looking for um, foreign language speakers, mm -hmm. um, all sorts of, you know, disciplines and expertise. Um, but, but yeah, I spent several years trying to get in. Was in for several years. I mean, going becoming an agent at the FBI is not a whim thing. No, like, I I, it would, I mean it took a lot to to try. It took me about as long to try to get in as a as I as I actually was was in. Because there's the there's the the mental part of it, but then there's a huge physical aspect of it too. Training, I mean, right? You need to train you like crazy, these, right? There's all these you know fitness tests that and and part of it is they just really want they really want the you know everybody ready in all aspects right mm -hmm. physical mental and and so there's a lot of applicants um so once you were in what was your what was your uh what was your duty what was your duty station or what, the first what, what thing was you like do, your, your specialty yeah the first thing you do is you, they send you off to quantico for six months of of new agent training which is like the like what you'd imagine it's like like half, the movie feds yeah, <laughs> kind of. That's a great movie, by the way. It's like half boot camp, half college campus, right? Yeah. Is that where they tie you up to a chair and put blindfolds and they try to make you crack and, and whatnot and you test your strength and whatnot? It's How like, many times have you been waterboarded? No, it's like that scene where in Ghostbusters where Bill Murray is like reading the mind of the... <laughs> <laughs> a couple of wavy then, lines? A couple of... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you get electric shock. But you got you got polygraphed and all that jazz. I did, yeah. Uh, part of the and and throughout, you know, just part of integrity is a big part of that yeah. program. And um, you know, I just have I I there's a it was such a cool experience because you know everybody who was there was just so dialed in, so like uh, determined, so motivated. Like you know, everyone was so squared away. And I don't know that I don't know that everybody sees like what's behind the scenes. It's just like. It's you and me. It's like people, but they're, you know, they're just like, like really a singular focus, basically. So focused, you know, everybody there, it's not a job. It's, it's sort of your lifestyle. And, 
it's not hard to put in long hours. I, I when when I got to Los Angeles, I was doing like seventy hour work weeks. Were you? So that's where you were got you married or at that point? Oh, that's or? a great story too. So and this is, yeah, I'm sitting uh, at Quantico, and six weeks in, um, you know, at that time, you 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 list your preference for office of first assignment, and uh, um, we were pouring over this thing. Heather and I were just pouring over this thing, going oh, like you know, Cincinnati, Ohio, thirty two or or Chicago, Illinois, thirty-three. Like, what do you think? And what's the thirty? Is that that's the station like, name? You, you know, you like rank. You know, oh, okay, uh, gotcha. where, where you'd prefer to go, and, and you can't start where you where you come where you process through. Um, so Minneapolis, you couldn't start. Yeah, there. you can't start there. So, and and most new agents go off to big um, big offices. And I remember I was talking. So the instructors are like, "Hey, everybody, you know, get your family." Um, you know, make sure everybody's thinking about this, like get yourself squared away. You guys could be assigned to Juneau, Alaska tomorrow, you know, like that. So I call home and I'm like, Hey, and, and I had just married my wife. So I'm like three months into my marriage. The first thing I do once I'm married is leave for six months, which is an awesome way to start a marriage. <laughs> um, and I said, Hey, you know, babe, we could, we could, we could be in Juneau, Alaska tomorrow. And she, she's like, that's okay. I, um, Juno sounds super fun. That'd be a fun adventure. Just as long as we don't land in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> it was the only city she said is the only city she'd lived in San Diego for several years, which is a great place, North County, San Diego. And she knew enough about LA to know I, you know, she just didn't want to be there. And so as fate would have it, I'm opening up my envelope on orders night and it says Los Angeles. And I just remember thinking, wow, God has okay. a sense of humor. That's really funny. <laughs> where, where was that ranked in your, uh, in your it was, ranking? It was literally second to last. Second to last. And what? I don't remember what I put as the last. Yeah, one. what was last? I don't remember. I was too rattled. But What, what was first? What was your, like, your desired? I, if, if, I, if I remember correctly, we wanted to go... Uh, you know, Colorado was up there, that area. I mean, it's all the places everybody wants to go. Um, I think even San Diego was up there, but, and, and since then I think things have changed, but that, you know, our story was like, oh, I call, I call home and I was like, Hey, it's, it's Los Angeles. And I remember there's some silence on the telephone and then a couple you like, said a little bit of like, this on the phone. There's this, <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it was this sound. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, oh, oh man, man, what am I like? What have I gotten us into? Like, oh man! But th- that was really cool because you know, starting off our marriage, we went off to LA. We got our heads wrapped around it, and it ended up being awesome. You know, like we started our marriage sort of outside of our 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 comfort zone. We're off away in Los Angeles, California. We found this great place, just like blocks from the beach. I'm like a fish out of water as a Midwest kid. Like I had to ditch all my flannel and, <laughs> and like switch, switch to Miami vice mode and, uh, sell all of your deer hooves and everything. I, I couldn't talk about deer hooves <laughs> and hunting and killing, like processing that something else there. And <laughs> so, so once, once you were there, what, 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 what was your job? So I was assigned to a, a white collar squad and we specialized in, uh, uh, white collar crime. So, uh, were you pun- utilizing your German at that point? No, that's so funny that you ask about that because you, you, you do have to, I mean, as in like inventory, you share with the bureau, all of your quote unquote skills. And, uh, you know, so like German was m- one of mine and, 
and also Amateur Magician was like one of mine <laughs> and and all these. So I had this l- scrolling list of ways the Bureau could use me if they ever needed to. Um, I always joke that if if we went, you know, if Germany tried to take over the world again, we I would just become the most important person in the entire <laughs> Bureau. But that never happened, of course. Thankfully. Thankfully. Add, add the thankfully. That's thankfully, important. Yeah. <laughs> no, I never, I never use. I, I, I know you probably can't talk about like stuff <clears throat> specifically, but were you involved in any like large scale operations or anything like that? Or I was on my way. It was, um, you did, I had to drive from, from Minnesota to Los Angeles. I'm like on my way out there. And my supervisor called me the day before my first day in Los Angeles. And he forwarded me an ops plan and he's like, Hey, there's an arrest tomorrow. Uh, you're number um, you're number one in this in the stack in the breach stack. Here's Ooh. the here's the ops plan. And uh, I <laughs> I remember thinking, like oh, you my. and your wife in the U-Haul driving all your stuff out there. It was there, just and you're me. Like, I'm like in St. George, Utah, and I and I get like an email, and it's like, oh, you're you're the first guy in, and it's like, uh, oh, my truck broke down. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be an issue. I think it was uh, their way of of testing, uh, you know, whether you're going to be one of those squared away agents or, yeah. or, or not. Uh, but that was, it started right away. And LA is such a crazy place that, um, you know, if you, if you wanted to get involved, you need help for everything, right? You need help to go on surveillance. You need help to, uh, to go on an arrest stop and, uh, and there's a lot going on there. So if you're interested and willing and, and, and want to get into it, you raise your hand and you're on the next gang takedown, you're on, you know, you're doing drug takedowns. Um, so I, although white collar was my specialty, um, you know, it was, it was everything. Everybody helped out on everything. So how long were you in the bureau? Three years. Three years. And you chose to leave for, for what reason? Never thought I would. I thought that was it. You know, you work so hard to get into something and I, I'd, I'd seen myself in that, in that, um, role forever. Really. I couldn't, I couldn't see, um, you know, but we were out there and we had our, our we, we found out we we're pregnant with our first and, um, you know, you start to, th- that just changes everything, right? You start to think about like what your, what your, what fields you have to tend, right? Like how do you do good in the world? And all of a sudden, and I went from like, uh, wow, this whole like FBI gig is pretty, pretty cool way to like make a positive impact in the world. And then all of a sudden we, we have this, this kid on the way and I'm thinking about, you know, we're thinking about how do we put the family in a place we can thrive and and make this our focus. So that was, you know, kind of what was driving our thoughts about, about leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, that, I mean, that, that's the short version of that story. We just decided we wanted to put our family in a place that they could really thrive. And we sort of changed, um, you know, what, how we wanted to direct our efforts and decided to leave, but I never thought we, I never thought we would. And I've also not looked back. Uh, um, we scored a, uh, target, cor- target corp, um, mm-hmm. brought us back home and, uh, and that was one of the coolest things ever as well. I remember when you made the decision to leave, you had said something to me about the fact that something like, I, I don't remember the number, but a, a significant percentage of relationships end in divorce oh. for people who are in the field. Yeah. Like it's, really high. It's so, it was so interesting leaving and being a part of it. Cause you're, you know, you're, you're on the front lines and like I said, 70 hour work weeks. So, I mean, like I know there's some hard work in people, but also you can give it all. And it's like, 
so that's what I mean. It, it was so easy because the mission was so good. There's never not a need there. There was never not something you know, incredible, which, which again, like I, I just have to, I have to say like not many people understand quite like the depth of sacrifice, you know, with, with, with many of the people who sign on to that gig and, and, you know, sign up to protect us cause you just give it all away. And, uh, and sometimes that means, you know, sacrificing relationships and, and the time you should spend there. But, um, but yeah, many were on second, um, you know, second and third marriages and, and I, it's just a t- really tough thing. And, and I know a lot of people struggle with that, but, um, yeah. I uh, imagine it's just basically all consuming. All consuming. Yeah, yeah. And there's never not something more you could do. And I got there. I was like, here's 20 cases. And I think you could do two at a time really well. So yeah. the workload was always there. But True Grit, I mean, like, um, I don't think there's a lot of sophistication, but it's not, you know, minority report. At, at, over yeah. There. There's not like crazy, you know, precogs. Precogs and stuff <laughs> like that. Like the. You the, weren't floating in a tank of water. Getting nutrients. There's some cool stuff. IV fed you know, There's some cool stuff. And you can't talk about that. Yeah. This is all redacted <laughs> there's here. There's just so much like grit. People just get it done. And when you're on the criminal side, as opposed to like some like cyber or or uh, counterterrorism, you got to do everything right. Otherwise, all your evidence gets thrown out. Right. Yeah. So when you're collecting evidence in a, for a criminal investigation, you just have to do it. Right. And you, you know, you're, you're thinking about when you head out for that interview or you're going on surveillance or you're collecting some piece of information, you think you're thinking about what that defense attorney is, is going to be saying to you about 18 months from now. Right. Mm -hmm. When you collect that. So just a ton of pressure to do it right and, and have it all bet buttoned up. And, you know, I, I feel like I've commented enough about this, but I just found it super admirable for you to be able to look at your wife and your your goals for your relationship and for your family and just say, all right, I'll move on and be okay with it. Because you put so much effort into joining that and put into working towards that. I mean, so much of your of your life had gone into building yourself up to a point where you could take on this task that is so remarkable and then and then just know in your heart that it wasn't what you wanted long term i think that's fascinating i was just really hoping that that, oh sorry i was really hoping that you just like hit a deer out there and (laughs) saw the hooves and you're like i know what i gotta do now i know what i have to do this is this is my story this is my mission before the record i never stopped thinking about the hooves (laughs) (laughs) but i do have to say you know making that transition uh might seem hard, but I mean, you know, my wife and, and Mm -hmm. also I have to, I have to say, you know, she she made so many sacrifices for us to go out there. She quit her job. She quit her school for, for me to pursue this, this little dream slash obsession that I had. So when it came time and when the circumstances were such that it was like this, you know, actually this, this might be ending. Um, I I mean, certainly it wasn't something we approached lightly, but also, you know, for me personally, it was easy when your partner has made like so many sacrifices to help you pursue this thing that you were doing that now it's your turn. I mean, and I wasn't sacrificing for her, but I just mean, it was, that's been, I think we're going deep here tonight, guys, by the way, this is, I love it. (laughs) I can imagine like just as an entry level job, 70 hours a week, that's bare minimum entry level. If you wanted to advance at all, it would be your entire life basically. Right. Like, 
if you wanted to keep on going, you'd have to give up so much more. You know, maybe, but also that, you know, I think, I, th- I hope most, most, uh, current and, and former bureau, um, employees would agree with me. Like the job is different in every single office, in every single division and what it looks like is different, but certainly, um, yeah, I mean, advance, I, I think there was more to give in advancement, but, um, it was wise for you to choose Heather because you really outkicked your coverage on the first one. Gosh, I did. You were not doing better than that. No, it was so. It, I mean, that it was that a was a very major simple. comeback from hanging off the backstop with your pants down. You want to know something? <laughs> now do you understand why I, I I had to invest and keep this thing that I that I had that I had un, unfairly and un, undeservedly stumbled onto? Yeah. I do have to say this. So so back. This is an interesting connection. The that year that. My dad and I, that my dad taught me to butcher my own deer, um, Heather, <laughs> it was that year. So I, I was, I was at my dad's house and Heather was, uh, gonna, <laughs> she wanted to tell me that instead of being friends, you know, she wanted to be more and, and, and I, of course had been advocating for this for several, <laughs> several, several for decades. That is the best uh, way to put it. I've I, ever I, heard. I, I, I approve of this proposition. Yeah. <laughs> I had told her many times that we, that I just really in case liked. you're ever interested, I, I'm willing to <laughs> entertain the offer. <laughs> I, I made her aware and yeah. there was uh, nothing there previously, but things changed. And it was funny that, that she had something changed for her and she invited me to, to Weaver Lake park. Well, that was where Allie and I had our first date. Really? Yeah. Aww. Truly. I said, I, I said, I can't meet you until like four because I'm in my garage with my dad. And so I showed up. Just Dexter I, style. I, sh- I, sh- I did. I showed up with a white thermal shirt that was stained and soaked in deer blood. <laughs> and I was like, hey, friend. <laughs> and she's like, hey, we should probably be more than friends. And I was like, oh. Let me change quick. <laughs> That's awesome. So... Um, moving, so you move out of the bureau and, you know, I guess let's just jump, jump a couple of steps forward. So, you know, you, you and I have gotten into a station in life where, you know, I don't know about you, but I feel kind of like groundhog day is set in where, you know, it's just raising the kid mode, you know, every day looks very, very similar and it's easy for time to pass between pe- seeing people. Uh, and, and when you re-see people, you're like, oh my gosh, that was really quite a long time ago, right? That, that happens. Well, anyways, fast forward to a couple of months ago, I got a, uh, a get a card from you guys and I don't, was that a Thanksgiving card or? Yeah. We like it? to get the real estate on the fridge right away. There you go. You know, yeah, upper you- left. Get there before all the other Christmas cards. So we send them on to Thanksgiving. So we got the card and um, the card was all about you and your children and your wife's new obsession with fishing. And I thought, well, that's something I can get behind. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I, I... sent you a text and I'm like, Hey bud, you know, this is awesome. I'm congrats. Welcome to the, welcome to the world. You know, if you got any questions or whatever, let me know. And I just, it's been so fun to, you know, to be able to kind of, you know, share advice or whatever, and just chat with you over, over text about, you know, just kind of this new thing that it feels like you're really going into. I mean, for crying out loud, you were literally in a boat a week ago. I was, uh, and had, Zero success on that boat a week ago. <laughs> With the spot that I told you to go to? Yeah, I'm very well aware of my failure on that one. Not, no, not at all. 
But I do give kudos to my family because they, they joined me on that trip and froze their cookies off. Literally, in December, he was in his boat. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Wipe right? your, wipe your I legs. Mean, I, I love fishing and whatnot, but that's a little, that'd be a little chilly. It's been like 50 degrees, though. I mean, in it fairness. Wasn't, yeah, I mean, yeah. we picked a 50, one of those 50 degree days, but by the end of the day, it was... It was pretty cold. I had yeah. my little buddy out there, and my whole my family's like crowded around the little buddy, and I'm heater. Your heater, yeah, my little, little buddy heater. heater, not my not my little friend, oh. um, Skipper. You know, I do, I do have to say selfishly once once when you texted me, I knew. I mean, I I talked to Steve, and I knew like you you were kind of knew what you were doing in the fishing world, and so I always felt a little like ah man, I would love to tap into that but i i don't know how you can you can tap me whenever you want brian i remember texting yeah. you a month ago and i was like i'm gonna start if i'm gonna start asking you questions and i'm not gonna <laughs> i don't intend to stop until you say unsubscribe it's a, <laughs> no. it's a slippery deep hole just to let you know but i think that's awesome you know and a lot of our show a lot of this podcast is about talking to people who are new you know because there's a lot of people who are just trying to figure this out and now with our current state of quarantining and people having so much more time with family and, and, and being able to invest that time and in, in being outdoors, uh, an activity that's deemed safe, people can go out and, and spend their time that way. And, you know, it's been, it's been really enjoyable to watch new people jump into the sport um, that I care a lot about. And, it, you know, anytime I can, anytime I can talk with, you know, people about it and especially a friend about it it's just for me it's super exciting and like i i keep saying to you like any, any question you got let me know because i i will spend more time on it than i than you probably expect hey and if you want another obsession by the way i know a guy who can get you your pilot's license as well oh yeah Tom, yeah. yeah so hey, there you don't, go don't he's still working on fishing give him a, a fly-in fishing experience how about that where the fish actually bite dang it too soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. There you go, buddy. Will you do that? Absolutely. You could run people up to Canada and whatever. No, I get you your private pilot's license, and you've run yourself up to Canada. What? Well, uh, that seems like something I should buy, not do. All right, all right. It's, it's up to you. I mean, then I'm gonna have to have. I have to get. I, I, it was a hard and I mean, it was a. It's not, it wasn't a hard sell, but I, I I did have to make the case for that like Otter Extra Large Thermal Hub that I just bought today. Which is legit. Did you set it up yet? I, I didn't. My, my my two boys are dying to have it. Did it set come up. yet? It gets arrived, yeah. Oh, yeah. Put it up in your house and sleep in it tonight. <laughs> I'm serious. We do campouts in it every single year. We bring it down from the rafters and the kids sleep in it. We bring in the cousins over and they have like nine kids in there. They Yeah, my, my boys would go out of their mind. It's so fun. That, that, but that's that's what got me into it was the was the boys mm-hmm. like two not, not quite two summers ago we we were doing well Quade got his first fishing rod and we started hitting the local docks I live over near White Bear Lake and we started hitting the lo- we we started hitting Bald Eagle and bouncing between Bald Eagle and White Bear Lake on, just on the docks and having a blast and the kid is loving it and both my boys were loving it and so you know my wife and I were loving it and then heading out of that summer that was the summer before covid started yeah um I'm like I, of course then i'm i'm like wow this is fun and what i n- didn't admit to my 
wife until just recently was like, I, I think I actually enjoy this a little bit more than our two sons do. You know, like oh, I way more enjoy it than my kids do. <laughs> but I hadn't wanted to admit that for fear that you know, like my Let's sell the boat. Yeah. That my suggestion to head out on Saturday might be uh, interpreted as selfish, not uh, not invest. You know, but you know what time. though, honestly, here here's here's my take on that is you find a passion and you share that with your kids. That is way more special than them saying, daddy, I want to go fishing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you can, if you can, if you can inspire that in another generation, that's, that's couldn't be any better in my, and, in my opinion. And Chris, you bring your girls out. Yes. Oh. They, like, they like the open water fish. They like to, um, I'm just getting them into ice fishing and whatnot. They're not hardcore. Like, how old are your daughters? Uh, my daughters are eight and ten, and uh, the ten-year-old's more into it. They, yeah, she's she's coming around. Yeah, but she likes it. Yeah, but uh, it's they, it's a lot of fun to yeah. be able to involve oh, your definitely. family for sure. And, and they see what well, you know what we do here, and they kind of makes it that much more special to them. They're like, oh, my daddy does this, you know, and whatnot, and shares it with their friends and, and teachers and stuff. And it's just kind of a kind of a neat thing to hear from them. And if you talk to anyone at this shop, it's we're not here because we'd love to, you know, come to work and make money making fishing rods. We come yeah. here because we love fishing. And exactly. we happen to find something that allows us to be a part of that, mm-hmm. you know, in a kind of an insider way. So I'm but super stoked for you. They're not watching Pokemon and doing no. that, right? Like no. th- this is the best, you know? And even if sometimes you do bring the iPad out on the ice with you and let them play, you know, whatever game they need to play or bring, you know, nine bags of chips and Snacks. just let them do Lots their thing. That's it. That's the ticket right there. You said something on a previous show too that str- I was like, oh, you, you know, you can't, you can't ruin it for the, you know, you have to understand what, what you're bringing your kid into and, and do that, manage that experience, you know, for them without being like, no, we got to keep going, you know, yeah. let's make this an 11 hour ordeal. Well, that's the hard thing. Burn. The hardest thing for me yeah. is, is letting go of what I want it to be and letting it be what they want it to be or let it be the, what they can handle it being. Right. You know, I don't think it's, I don't think that you necessarily need to completely cater to your kids whims on it because part of fishing is it's a little uncomfortable at times. It's boring at times. And that's part of it. And, you know, if you don't learn to have some grit through that, you're never going to, it's never going to become something that you're interested in. You know, you can go out for a weekend of hunting and sit in a stand for literally 20 hours and see nothing, but that's part of the experience, Mm -hmm. right? And if you ever want your kids to experience or to, to, to embrace that, to embrace being really, really cold in an ice house or to embrace going through really long dry spells without seeing a fish, then there has to be some exposure to that. Yeah. But it's really all about building up that tolerance and finding, you know, age appropriate exposure to that where there are a lot of people who, and and, and I'm going to be really frank, I have to check myself a lot who get selfish with fishing time and who look at it as this is my thing and I want it and I'm going to do for me and the kids are here. So we're doing it versus I want this to be something that we're going to share together when they're 30, you know, and we're taking their children out and I want them to hate this. It's kind of like the, the people whose kids are forced into forced into Mm -hmm. sports or forced into whatever, you know, the last thing, the, the, the worst thing that you can do is, is push too hard. No one's going to have fun when you're dragging them along, kicking and screaming. 
Yeah. No one's going to have fun. Exactly. So that's a huge part of it. And, you know, watching, you know, talking to you now and hearing what, what you're doing and getting, getting into it and getting that passion and you're starting while your kids are starting, which is kind of neat, you know, cause that's not the traditional path for a lot of people. No, and I, I, I know a lot in certain areas where I feel like I'm a subject matter expert. And this is an area where I don't know anything. And, and I have some other fishing buddies. I, the thing is, in this community, in like especially in Minnesota, like if, if you're into this, then you're also into helping other people like mm-hmm. understand. So part, part of our arrangement was that I felt like, oh, okay, this is my, I can ask some pretty dumb questions. I think, <laughs> I, think yeah. I texted you the other day. I'm like, should I be winterizing that motor or, or can I keep this thing going and just wait for like some open water river in December and January? And you, you, you fielded that one for me. I, I don't know what I'm doing. So thanks for letting me ask dumb questions, but anytime, um, no, honestly, uh, <clears throat> you know, so our, we, we went from dock fishing when we, we were heading into COVID, uh, uh, territory and we were looking for a little boat in the spring. We found this awesome, 1970, 79 Lund, 15 and a half foot with a 16 horsepower uh, spirit on the end of it. And it was just perfect. Four seats. And we have just, we had the best summer. We That's went so, awesome. so many times and the kids loved it. And here was a surprising thing. Heather, Heather was like, didn't think she would be spending much time on the boat with us, but um, jumped in there and... Um, you know, she, she was saying, this is so, this is so cool. Not from a fishing standpoint, I've got my three boys corralled in this thing. We're out here at beautiful sunrises. I've got my coffee, my book and my blanket and like the, the boys are contained. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and we're doing this thing. So she actually surprisingly hung out with us a lot and, and really enjoyed it. Um, and so, yeah, we had a, we had a, we had a blast. And now of course that means how do we how do we get ready for the winter? <laughs> well, and ice fishing is all about making sure that you have a level of comfort because it can be miserable, you know, and you've already got a good start with having a nice, large enough insulated shelter and then just getting used to it. And a lot of, of course, with fishing, it's being able to have some action, you know, catch something. So that's going to be the next step. The next challenge is just figuring out a couple of places where you know you can go. And, you know, when you're brand new and you go out on a lake and there's a hundred houses in one spot and no houses in another spot, probably go where the houses are. You know, there's no shame in going to a community hole. A lot of people think, oh, I'm going to go out and find my own spot that no one knows about. Well, there's a lot of people who go out and look for the spots that they don't know about and they end up back at the community holes because they want to catch some fish. Yeah. So any, any like good advice for the... for for the guy or the family that maybe doesn't have all the equipment yet, doesn't quite know what they're doing. Like how do we, how do we make the the first trip out there a a success, especially if we're bringing a seven and a four year old along? So the first thing I would say is that your approach to it so far has been really admirable. You know, a lot of people would say, well, I can't go fishing because I, you know, I don't have a, a nice boat or I don't have a, a big boat or whatever, you know, and you went out and you got a a pretty modest boat that suited your needs, right? You know, you're not trying to win any races or enter tournaments or whatever. So you got a boat that's going to sit, that's going to do what you need it to do. Um, Use the equipment that you can use. Whatever you can get your hands on, use that. 
is probably the best advice to start with. And then whatever your means allow you to do, build up from there. You know, you don't need to be a fully stocked outfitter in order to start ice fishing. All you need to do, the only thing you need for ice fishing is a way to get a hole in the ice and a line that goes underwater. That's it. If you have that, you can ice fish. All of the other stuff is peripheral. You know, if you're trying to get kids out there, the biggest thing that kids need is to be comfortable, which means warm, and to be entertained. And that means snacks. It means Pokemon. Pokemon or (laughs) snacks or fish or action. Yeah, it's it's funny. I asked you about augers, and I was thinking, oh, man, okay, I'm, I'm on a budget. I'm trying to, like, do this, you know, without dropping too much money. And so I had, I had started and I was telling some other friends too. And you, and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to save money and do the hand auger thing. And I think I've had three. <laughs> oh, it's, and Chris is laughing. Cause he's about to, he's thinking the same thing. I was thinking, okay, yep. I got the, I got the thermal hub, right? Everyone's going to stay warm and we'll get all of our gear. I'm working on a, you know, like a Vexlar or something. Cause that's important. And then I was like, I'm going to save money on the auger. And like three, four guys were like a uh, bad idea. And at first I was like, guys, yeah, I can't, you know, I gotta, I gotta crawl before I walk, you know, like I gotta, I gotta take one step at a time And there. And they're, at first I didn't buy it there. I'm just like, yeah, guys, right. I know I, I could buy a Cadillac too, you know, but, <laughs> uh, then they walked me through it and they're like, you're not going to want to, like your kids are, are out there. It's going to take you five, 10 minutes to get through the ice. And Each you're not just doing, hole. you're not doing just one hole. Like, yeah. You're going to put a couple holes in that hub, right? And what if they're not biting? You're going to want a couple more, right? And then I was like, oh, And what if it's man. January and there's 30 inches of ice? <laughs> it's the, and, you know, we haven't talked a ton about this, but with the new auger technology, if do you have a drill at home? Well, nothing, sure that, you do. nothing, nothing that, would, that would power one of, the, one of the drill bits. Well, what do you use to auger out your deer legs? Well, that, I have like a DeWalt uh, standard drill. Yeah. Like a plug-in type of drill? Yeah. Oh, there you go. But, I mean, you can get you can get an ice auger. You can get a reliable hole-cutting ice auger for 300 bucks at the max. Uh, a hand auger is not that much cheaper. A hand auger is, I mean, what's the more hand auger? 150 bucks? Yeah, I'd say about that. They're not that much cheaper. More is about the bottom bottom of the barrel right there, but you know, you go into the Strike, Strike Master yeah. type one, you're you're, you're forking a little more. If I was if I was going to go on the cheap, which you know, I don't I don't mean that as a knock, but if I was going to try to save money, I wouldn't buy a Vexlar. I'd buy an auger. Then you can just buy a bunch of bobbers and don't need a Vexlar. That's that's where I would start with. I my dad had a hand auger to start with. And I remember the days of going out there and watching him literally almost die <laughs> because it's, it's miserable. The, the amount of energy that you have to put into drilling a hole is yeah. astounding, especially when it's deep, when it's thick ice, you know, right now a hand auger is amazing because there's no ice to deal with, but when it's mid February, no, you would hate your life. I, you I would mean, you would probably do is you probably I'm buy convinced. both. Yeah, no, I'm 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 thoroughly convinced now. Yeah, but it's this. I mean, this is this is this is great. You know, you learn from others, and you're like, no, 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 no. Like, but don't forget, it's not a. It's probably a real good idea to have a hand auger with you or in your vehicle because, like me and myself, I was out one time with my brother, and we were out in the middle of nowhere. We were up in Forest Lake, and we went out. We we're 
walked, walked, you know, half mile down, whatever, went to fire the auger up. It would not fire, could not get it to go. We ended up having to walk all the way, but I sent my brother all the way back to go get the hand auger to be able to at least punch holes. Needless to say, we didn't punch a lot of holes, but at least we were able to fish. So having the hand auger at a, at a ready position is a good thing to have, you know, leave it in the vehicle, forget about it. But you know, when, if you're running into issues with your power auger, the hand one is, is it's a good backup. Yeah. 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 I think, and then just having the willingness to go out and do it, just to go out and have fun with it, be an adventure, you know, that's, and that's kind of your spirit. Yeah. Well, and it's, it, it's, it's going to be fun, man. These kids too. They've, they, I mean, my, fo- my kids haven't gone ice fishing yet. Yeah. So it's going to be a blast. I can't wait to follow that adventure and see how it goes. <laughs> It'd be great if we could get a chance to to get together on the ice sometime and, 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 and go for it together, bring the kids out and have a little gathering. I'm all in. Uh, and I've learned a lot on the podcast, by the way. I've been, I've been tracking and I, I, I certainly appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's been a lot of fun. Hopefully we're bringing some, some value. At least this is going to be a funny episode. <laughs> it's been good for me. I know we've gone a little bit longer than we usually have. Is that correct, Tom? We're a little over, but it's been, it's been good times, I think. I just really want to thank again, Brian, for coming out here. It's been awesome to catch up and do, do so in a very public setting. Our dozens and dozens of listeners now know quite a bit about your story. <laughs> where, where can the listeners uh, find, find your products, by the way? Oh, that's very kind. So, yeah, again, uh, if you're interested in the little hobby that we have got cooking right now and hope to grow into something bigger, it's uh, www.wood, W-O-O-D, and hoof. A-N-D-H-O-O-F dot com. And uh, we're for if you're looking for a Christmas present this year, you got to head down to Smith & Trade. Great shop down on Main Drag in Stillwater. You'll have a fun time, time down there anyway. You can find us down there. Awesome. Do, do you recommend people bringing the hooves to you to yeah. make okay is that is that yeah a lot of our customers will will bring the hooves so a great uh a great example um if you've got a young hunter or a first-time hunter and they're looking to memorialize the hunt uh and and it, you know it could be a buck but maybe maybe the first year is a doe and you're like well I, this would be great to memorialize this in some way i've had uh i've had hunters bring me deer hooves and uh commission knives and hatchets out of out of that. And that's a really special thing too, right? You know, uh, up on your, up on your dresser, you've got your first deer turned into a, a knife or a hatchet. Yeah. Um, and we'll, uh, I have, I have guys bring me antler sheds or, and we'll turn those into knives too. Um, and I do also want to share, we've, we, uh, like Heather will do, she'll do, uh, hand stitched pillows. And I mean, we got some really fun stuff on there. Really. It's all about the, our outlet for creating. So, yeah, check us out. It's a it's a fun project we've got going on, and it's it's led to a lot of fun conversations. That's for sure. Absolutely, and we'll link that on uh, on our site too, so you guys can access it through uh, through our Facebook and our and our Instagram. And yeah, check out uh, woodandhoof.com. It's a super awesome product. I can't wait for people to get a chance to see that. Hopefully, hopefully the website traffic uh, kind of floods over there because it, it it's something that's very unusual. Chris. Thank you for being here. Thanks Thank for you for me. sitting in. John yeah. has taken the night off. He needs a night off. Yes, John, I think he needs more than just one. As the owner of this place, the the winter, the early winter crush is a crush, and he needed a night off. And I'm really glad that he took that time. 
took the time off. So thank you, Chris. Thank you for letting me pull you away from the wrapping. Hopefully we didn't uh, get people too delayed on their, on their products. My Um, pleasure. So once again, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. This is Dan from the Iceman and we look forward to uh, seeing you guys soon on another episode. Mm -hmm.